0: Now more than ever, the industry that fuels the world needs the right people to modernize and unify a global energy platform. The transformation is both digital and cultural. Join us as we explore strategies for success in the hyper-competitive war for talent, here on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, hosted by the IBM North American oil and gas team and Kit.
1: Okay, Kirby from shell key yes. welcome so much to the podcast that we're doing here at the women's welding contest we'd love to understand a little bit about how you are involved what's your relationship to this event and what this event means to you
2: all right so thank you for having me on your podcast my name is kirby Billiot. i'm the owner and operations manager at shell key i'm a premier sponsor for these events that miss natasha holds industry after hours we do them at the local bar rooms and the different venues and the other places but this one was particularly, she does special events, and this is one of those special events. She came up with the idea of doing women's welding competitions to draw the workforce to the new and upcoming way of doing things, right? Like, not just the guy's world no more, right? The ladies are just as good, if not better. I've seen some great welders out here.
1: Yeah, Kirby, there's 10 female welders in there. How do you go about finding 10 female welders that want to be in a welding contest? Right, so we put out the flyers, we put out everything on
2: LinkedIn, marketed, Miss Natasha marketed it very well. Got all of the interest going and everybody sharing and liking and, you know, and saying, Hey, I know somebody that can weld. I know a woman welder. And we had probably about 25 or so contestants that actually called in and said they were interested in it. But a lot of them was like, Well, oh, it's in the contest, they don't know, and everything else. But we did have 10 right now that stood up and said, Hey, I'll come and do it. Why not? Right. And they had no idea what they wanted to do. We surprised them completely so they didn't get prepared for this. This is really, hey, when you come out here, we're going to give you the test. You ain't going to know what you're going to do until you get here. So we threw them a little loop when they first got here, but it's not bad. If you're a welder, you should be able to do it. Yeah. Have you been in there looking? Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah, they're doing very well. I brought my drone today, too, so I could fly around through this.
1: I flew it through the shop. We're going to have video of that also.
2: Very cool. I flew for each one of them and watched them weld everything and. Came out great. I think it's going to be an awesome thing.
1: I totally get that. It's a neat thing to do a woman's welding competition. It's very interesting, but is there a larger point behind an event or a contest like this? What's the import of it? Right. So it's not just about women's welding,
2: right? It's about women working in the industry. In the oil and gas industry? In the industry. oil and gas industry, and in the refineries, in chemical plants, and those types of things, right? A lot of people don't realize, but there are a lot of them out there that really work, and they're doing the work just like the men are doing. Yeah. They are out there Boots on the ground, you know, putting the work in, pipe fitters, welders, boilermakers, you know,
1: scaffold building. There's a lot of stuff that's going on with it, right? So So. would you say, Kirby, that if we publicize this and share it and more women know about it, that it might encourage students to get into a trade? Definitely so. Is there a tie into that? I know school wasn't my thing,
2: right? Like I was thankful to get out of high school. And I yeah. was like, hey, I'm going to work. And I started out in the shipyard industry, right? And nobody offered me that job. It was like, hey, go find a job. Yeah. It was hard work. But when I went and I found out that I can make a career out of it, it was a great thing. And I think the young ladies and men out there, they got to remember that you can make six-figure income without having to go to college. Wow. Right? So That's a pretty powerful so. statement. Yes. I'm telling you, it's very true. Right? Yeah. I know some people making
1: quite a bit of money from doing this. you know. Actually, I wish I could go back welding sometimes because it'd be a little bit easier. So I saw on the advertisement for the show or for this contest, BISD involvement. I think that, is that Brazoria? It's a school district, That's right? That's a
2: school district stuff. So that is okay. her charity that she works with, right? right? So we try and draw recognition to them so they can gain more followers and they can get more feedback on their events that they have in place and their fundraising, those types of things, right? So
1: that's a big part of it. Okay. Because I would imagine that we'd want the trade programs or the vocational programs in the schools. So to she be... also has American Welding Society okay, and
2: Lincoln and Miller and like a whole bunch of people backing this up, like really seeing, and the people that are here now, they already looked through it and saw the layout and the setup that we're doing are like, we're coming back next year. We're bringing forces
1: with us. So, oh, that's fantastic! It sounds like it's going to be a big challenge next year. It's going to be double the welders, double yeah. the people. Yeah, oh, be that great. sounds great. I could be a big event. I think a really notable one too. Probably gets some news. Looks like one of our welders is already done. She's standing right behind you over here. Oh, that's right. Yes, I think she's coming over to yeah. talk to us. We oh, asked her to come over and awesome. talk to us. Yes. Uh, so before we get one of the welders up here, I wanted to ask you just a little bit about Shell Key and about your business. So I think you told me that you build applications and other tech to support. The heavier part of these industries can you tell us a little bit about what you do yeah so i've always been in the management section
2: of projects right now i'm the lead construction manager over capital projects right working in baytown right now and we're actually using some of my mobile applications to mobile and desktop applications can't just be mobile right because a lot of times you go out there and mobile you can do a quick note but you need to go back and refine your notes yeah and the biggest part about it is real-time communication with management mm-hmm. the guys in the field they give you their updates And that information needs to generate a report automatically, right? So back in the day part, you scribble everything on a paper or you put it in a folder and at the end of the project, everybody reviews all the information. Today's world is, I want to know you're done now. You want to track progress. You want to track cost, all of those types of things, right? More in real time. Real time. Be more responsive, make better decisions, that kind of thing. I just morphed into that technology of going from paper. I've always tried to figure out a way to do it, go from paper to digital. Right. So now that's where I'm at now. And uh, Shell Key, my company, develops mobile and desktop applications for that. I actually built the app for Miss Natasha's event here. Is that right? So that you could build an app for anything, right? You just got to yeah. know how to do it.
1: Well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about how to do it, because the whole point of this podcast, Energy Workforce of Tomorrow, is to help our listeners and our clients understand the kinds of talent that are necessary to achieve the types of products and solutions to build them. I imagine it's, you have a relatively small company. Right. You're not a yes. multi-billion dollar company. No, not at all. Yeah, but, just starting out, really. And so really, you're competing with all the biggest companies in the Houston area. And then more broadly, since there's remote work with all the digital native companies, I mean, Google, Amazon, they're all competitors of yours really for talent. So what's your talent strategy? How do you find people to build apps for you as a little guy? So my strategy is my
2: experience. Right. So I look for others that are just like me that came from the background that I have that have learned digital transformation. So that's the whole part. It's all about training, learning, continuous some programs. What you do is you start out with somebody who's been in the industry. So you understand the KPIs and the things mm-hmm. you want to track. And you find somebody who has that tech savvy part mm-hmm. to bring it into the industry. You can't just have a tech guy. If you know how to build an app, you won't know how to build an industrial app. Mm-hmm. Right. If you're in industry and you don't know how to build an app, then you don't know how to build apps. Yeah. So, so- you put that mixture together and that's where you
1: get a better program. So to just drill down on that for a second, no pun intended, are you able to find people that have that right mix of industry experience and tech savvy enough to get started right away? Or do you have to do some training as well? There's definitely training involved. I actually have a couple of individuals
2: that are at this event right now. They work for me as I'm the lead construction manager there or my construction managers. They are in training now to learn how to develop applications. Really? So you're training people on how to write mobile apps and how Correct. to do websites that. The project and all we're that. on, we're using something that I've built already. And they come to me and want to learn it. And I'm like, man, definitely so. You can work with me anytime on all of my projects, right? Like I'm there to teach people how to okay, build, right? so Use multiple platforms. Yeah. So there's not just one way to do things.
1: You got low code. You got no code. You have... Yeah. Full code, there's just a bunch of different so ways. So, if build. I could summarize then, kind of in your industry, with your size, it's your network, it's your industry background, you know, yes. who you know, and then you're looking for. I need that industry experience, but somebody who's tech savvy and wants to learn, right? lifelong learner, something That's like right. that, That's right. Uh, that you can take and mold into the kind of talent that you need.
2: Somebody who wants to learn. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest key factor of progress, yeah. right?
1: If they're not interested in it, if it's not
2: appealing to them, you're wasting your time.
1: Well, why don't you give our listeners a little more insight into how they might reach you, Kirby, if they wanted to drill down and figure out a bit more of like how they might work with you or, or yeah. understand more about your business. Okay.
2: So I'm on a couple of different platforms, right? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. There's also on Code Maps. I don't know if anybody knows what Code Maps is. The place they allow you to do proposals for software development okay. as a developer. Okay. So I go out there and I find my business through different things that people ask for. Okay. We usually come up with a concept of what they want. We show them a working document or working app. Yep. And then we say, but we can morph this and change this the way that you want. Right? Okay. So we start the project before you even pay anything and say, here you go. Check this out. If you're interested, we can cool. move forward. So we
1: can find you at like shell Key shellkey.com on Company. LinkedIn
2: and shellkey.com. Yep. Yeah. I have my own website, shellkey.company. And you can also reach me at support at shellkey.company for all emails. Right. Yep.
1: Kirby, thank you so much. Thanks for all your efforts with yep. this. It's a really yep. cool program and really nice to meet you. And nice thanks to meet for being you on too. our podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for bringing your daughter. Maybe she'll be a welder too one day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll get her to speak on the next podcast, right. the next interview that we do. Yeah. There yeah. you go. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. Thank there you, Kirby. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay, we're back at the interview table here at the women's welding contest in freeport texas and we've got liz with us who's one of the contestants and i have to say has london i don't know what you think but maybe the coolest welding mask i've ever seen
3: i agree with that
1: you agree with that it's some kind of like skull or something on there
3: yeah so there's stickers are placed on top of the welding hood just to make it more artistic more me
1: more you okay so it's not about death with a skull it's more. no about it's art. actually
3: a sugar skull and it's more of just beautiful colors and okay things like that Yeah,
1: and your bandana it's also quite colorful. Yes. Yes. And your sunglasses as well. So Liz, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where'd you come from? Where do you live? How are you a welder today? Like what's that all about?
3: My first name is Liz and I came from North Texas around the Wichita Falls area. And I actually went to a four-year degree got my degree and just didn't really love it. Didn't really fit in almost.
1: What was your degree in?
3: Industrial technology. Okay. So it's kind of like mechanical engineering. Yeah. And I liked it, but I didn't like it. I didn't see myself in a long-term career. So I decided to go to welding school and I did that.
1: Was that something that you had to pay for? Yes. Okay.
3: (laughs) Yeah. So since I already had my bachelor's degree, I went ahead and did the associate's degree. So all I had to do was pay for the welding classes. So all the classes I took, my four-year degree transferred over. So I did my associate's degree in welding and I got all my certificates in plate and some in pipe.
1: Okay. And do you have to go to college to be a welder?
3: No, no, not necessarily. I just think sometimes knowledge is power Mm -hmm. and I would rather learn more because it's really hard for welders to start out unless you have experience or knowledge in the field.
1: Is it harder for women to start out as welders too, do you think?
3: I think so. I think we're still stuck in the times of women are supposed to stay at home and raise kids. And not that it's a bad thing, but there's also women that want to go out and work also. And we've got to accommodate that. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Was there any particular calling that you had around welding and itself? How did you think that welding might be something you wanted to do?
3: Well, I started in high school and I always just really enjoyed it. I didn't get the full concept of my passion in welding until I went to welding school.
1: Well, you say you started in high school. Mm-hmm. Does that mean you took a class in welding in high school?
3: yes. Yep. I took an agriculture class and then I took a welding class. And then after that first welding class, I just started taking as many as I could.
1: Yeah. And were your parents supportive or your family supportive of you doing welding? Oh yeah.
3: So I'm definitely the oddball out. My sisters are very, one's a principal and one's an HR. So they're both in the office and then Of course, there's me, and I'm out in the field. So when
1: there are desk breaks, they call you to come fix it, I'm sure. (laughs) Definitely,
3: yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's great. So you felt supported in what you wanted to do in high school, and then you were able to continue that in college when you did your pivot out of your industrial engineering degree and went back into welding, in particular, in, in your associate's school. Was that hard for you? Were you in North Texas that whole time?
3: Yes. So I went to school in Tarleton in Stephenville, Texas, and then I went to our junior college, Vernon College. In Vernon, Texas.
1: Okay. Now I'm not from Texas originally, so I don't know where no. that is. But North Texas is big, so I imagine it's right. Yeah. So
3: we're kind of closer to the Oklahoma border. Got it. So okay. That's where Vernon Is taz- it pretty
1: rural, or is it? Yes,
3: it is. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually from a small town called Kroll, Texas, okay. and it's about 800 people.
1: But now you're about as far from there as you could be and still be in Texas, because we're kind of on the southern border. Well, I guess we could be down like near Mexico, near Galveston, right, right now, which is pretty far from North Texas. Right. How'd so, you get down here?
3: Well, I actually just drove down here for this competition because i heard really? about it yes so i drove like eight hours to get oh here oh my goodness yes. you better win well it was more of the experience and oh, the knowledge okay. and All the right. meeting new people i like to think that getting out of your comfort zone really helps you in understanding and different concepts and like i said knowledge is power and i want to see everything that i can learn everything that i
1: can have you ever done a podcast before or been interviewed like this before
3: no i do listen to podcasts okay but I don't do... well you're doing a pretty
1: good job well, i gotta thank say I think thank you're you kind of in your comfort zone strike zone right here yeah
3: well I'm when gonna... we talk about welding or anything related to that that i start to get excited All right, well, well
1: tell us a little bit about welding what's something that my daughter london here wouldn't know about welding or that i wouldn't know about welding that you think is obvious
3: Well, so one thing about me is that I actually teach an online course for our junior college and it's about metallurgy and it's about the science of metal and what goes on behind like in the metal while you're welding. And I guess a lot of people don't understand just the concept of what those atoms and particles do when you're welding. And I think that stuff, I have a more science background, so that stuff right there is really cooler to me. I don't know if you've ever seen a weld, but a weld, you'll get a bunch of discoloration. That's the heat coming off the weld. It's Mm -hmm. called the heat affected zone. And just stuff like that, just people don't, they just think, oh, I'm going to weld it up. We're good to go. But sometimes you have porosity and different things like that that you don't really realize until you start to weld and realize what is this from?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's really funny. The timing of this is interesting because just last week, a colleague of mine from IBM did a presentation to NOV. You know, NOV, National Mm -hmm. Oil Well Varco. they're a big supplier pipe and all that to the Mm -hmm. welding, uh, to the oil and gas industry. He did a presentation on AI Supported and IoT supported welding. And okay. he uses he's, he's been in smart manufacturing for a long time, but he uses high-resolution cameras and high fidelity microphones to look at the welds as they happen mm-hmm. and the visual to see and the AI algorithms look at the weld as it's happening and they can spot porosity. Yeah. So I didn't even know what porosity was until a few days ago. And I still probably don't really know what it is, <laughs> other than it seems like there'd be spaces or something in there that aren't good. But it also listens and so he said that and maybe you could verify this liz that any guy or woman who manages a cell like a welding cell if it's arc welding or some other kind of welding would hear problems as well as see problems because the sound tells you things
3: most definitely yeah I don't know what it is about the other processes, but stick for sure. You can definitely hear when something's going wrong. And when I was in welding school, a lot of kids wanted to listen to music and our instructor said absolutely no music. And at first I was like, wow, I like to you know, have fun and listen to music. And he said, you're never going to learn to listen to your machine. He said, it's not all about seeing where you're going. It's also about listening to what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And so what would sound different? Like, could you describe how the sound would change if something wasn't going right?
3: Sure. So, one thing about stick is you have arc length. You have a consumable rod. So, whenever you're welding, you're constantly having to go down as a rod is consuming upward. So,
1: like one of those sparklers that you use at 4th of July, it kind of burns down at your same concept? Exactly. Okay. So, with
3: that is, whenever you have a greater arc length, you're going to have a more poppier sound, a more like almost like a jet engine kind of sound. It's mm-hmm. going to be real loud and real whispery as opposed to when you're getting close, you're going to hear a nice arc. It's really hard to explain unless you start to do it, but you're hear like a nice bubbly arc tone. And that's when you know you're there. That's where you need to stay. Okay. As you get in the way, it kind of sounds like.
1: <sighs> yeah, interesting. Yes. All right. So that supports this whole idea that the sound may be just as important as like what you're seeing in order to determine the health of your weld, I'd really love for you to see this video because my colleague, and he's based in Austin, has a video of the AI algorithm in real time with the video picture. It has a thermo camera So you'll see like it's bright red or yellow or whatever the color is based on the temperature. And it literally puts off a little side bubble with text like saying porosity or normal or some other sort of defect in real time as they're doing the weld. I'd love for you to see that and comment on it. That'd be cool. Yeah,
3: that would be Uh, really cool. I'd
1: love to get your thoughts on that. So maybe we'll send that over to you if you get me your contact information after this. We'll make sure to, to stay in touch about it. Sure. What would you say to young women that are thinking about, gosh, you know, I really don't want to go to college. I want to work with my hands, but they're afraid to kind of go after it.
3: I guess the biggest thing, and and honestly, this is what brings most women back, is really the sexism. You know, a lot of men are stuck in their old ways and they don't want to help you. The thing is, just go after and get it done. There's not always going to be times where everybody's going to help you. Mm. The biggest thing I say for women to get into a field like this is honestly just to be yourself Mm. and to really just not take things personally. Mm. And I know that's really hard for me, but a lot of people have their own opinions about you and that's okay. But just work, show up and work and do what you're supposed to do. And that your work will tell you.
1: Let the work speak for itself. Exactly. That's really good advice for anyone let alone women, but I really appreciate that. I'm sure our listeners will love hearing that. And it sounds like you got a really bright future, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, those welds are really bright when you look at them. I made the mistake of looking directly at one of those, even though somebody told me not to, and I don't yeah. think I can see anymore. Yeah. But Liz, really appreciate you spending some time with us. Good luck in the contest. Thank
3: you. Appreciate it.
1: Keep the helmet going. It's really cool. <laughs> and uh, best of luck in your career. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay, we're back at the interview table and we've got Stephanie Hadicek who is sponsoring, or a sponsor, of this wonderful Women in Welding contest. And I'd love to hear from you, Stephanie, about everything you're doing here. What got you into this? What does Be Your Loudest Hype Woman mean? It's on your shirt there. So would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners, please?
0: Absolutely. My name is Stephanie Hadicek, and I started a nonprofit organization called This One's for the Gals. And it's really just aimed at creating awareness amongst, you know, students from kindergarten all the way through high school of non-traditional roles that maybe they didn't consider before, like welding. But out in the construction industry, the energy industry, the manufacturing industry, just, you know, all the great opportunities that are out there, we just want them to know that there's a place for them as well.
1: So when you say non traditional Do you specifically mean say maybe not college? Not necessarily
0: not necessarily not college. We like to be able to Present all of the options and all the opportunities that are available. And this kind of started based on a conference that's held in Galveston every year called the Women in Industry Conference. And initially it was geared towards the skilled trades, pipe fitters, operators, welders, electricians, riggers, and has grown exponentially since then and now encompasses pretty much any position that is out there with these companies that girls may be interested in, whether it be a skilled trade or it could be engineering, you know, mechanical engineering, chemical engineering, those sorts of
1: roles. Okay, well, that's cool. So you have a 501c3 organization, so you can accept donations. Yes. In fact, we'd like to just mention the fact that the podcast that we're doing, which is the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, actually is supporting your organization. We're donating all of our podcast proceeds to support your organization because we firmly believe in what you're doing. We can see a big smile on your face right now the passion you've got for it. So when did you start this and what made you start this organization?
0: So our family recently moved a couple of years ago down to the Corpus Christi area and industry has grown in that area over the last 10 or 15 years. Like and in that geographic in that area? Geogra- yeah, in the mm-hmm. coastal bend, there's been companies that have come in and built, you know, Steel Dynamics, ExxonMobil, Mobil, Chenier Energy. And with that, I kind of saw a need because my husband works for Exxon Mobil and he's an electrician. He grew up in the craft, self-taught, and he's done really really well for himself. And when he went to hire, you know, interview and hire his electricians, he found it kind of difficult to find qualified electricians in that area. And I just got to thinking, okay, Exxon didn't build that plant overnight, you know. We kind of knew they were coming in for the last 5 years. What have we been doing to prepare our kids to take these jobs? So this one's for the gals. It's kind of aimed at gals, but really we just want to connect with the school districts, we feel like, you know, standing in the gap between industry and the school districts is where we want to be. And we just want to connect those two and get industry to start opening their doors to the students, you know, inviting them in for tours, sharing with them what kind of jobs they have, and that sort of thing. And so that's kind of the need that I saw, you know, got some girls to this conference in Galveston, and initially thought I could get 10 or 12 girls to the conference, and Uh it ended up getting over 200 girls from our area. And
1: how did you publicize that and get so many girls to come? It
0: really was just so I asked, my manager, I was working for Steel Dynamics at the time, and asked him if we could sponsor Senton High School, which is our local high school. And he said, Yes, you know, I think we could load up 10 or 12 girls in our company van and get them down with a chaperone to Galveston. So that was the idea. Okay. And I approached the school, and they were really excited. They said, Oh, absolutely. We'd love to collaborate. We'll provide bus transportation. We'll take the girls the night before. And so the response was amazing. And I was like, Well, okay, you know, we'll work together on this. And then our kids go to Taft High School. And so I was like, Well, I'd really like them to have the same opportunity. And and so I kind of nudged my husband. I'm like, who do you think at Exxon, you know, I could talk to you about maybe potentially sponsoring TAF? And he gave me a contact and I reached out and I said, hey, this is what Steel Dynamics is doing for Senton High School. Would you be interested in doing this for TAF? And they said, yes, absolutely. We'd love this initiative. We'd love to be
1: a part of it. This is really interesting because our audience probably has folks from large companies like Exxon in it since we cater to the oil and gas industry generally, energy industry more, more generally than that. I mean, other large companies. Who at Exxon did you talk to? Like what area to get that kind of support? Because we'd like to maybe talk to some of those people and get them on our podcast, by the way.
0: Yeah. So I connected with their community affairs person. Yeah. And that's basically what they do is they see what they can do in the community and what kind of events they can get involved with. And that was my initial contact there. Like I said, they were a hundred percent on board. And so I kind of just kept going, you know, I said, well, there's another school right down the road. Let me see if I can. So I reached out to Chenier, Kiwit, there's a company, MMR Group, Volstolpini, that We're like, yes, we will do this. And I kept hearing yes. And so I kept going. And so what started out as 10 or 12 girls ended up at 200.
1: 200.
0: 200 girls. And now we're bringing a conference to our area. I reached out to our local educational institutions and they sent representation down to Galveston and said, oh, we've got to bring this back. We've got to do this here. So
1: when was that conference?
0: It was in March. So I started in October. And by March, you know, is when we went to the conference and it was a great experience. And one of the things that one of the schools, their counselor came up and thanked me for getting the initiative started. And she said, Stephanie, you may not realize this, but the majority of our girls have probably never even stayed in a hotel room. They've probably never been out of their hometown. And I didn't realize that. I didn't think about that. Hmm. But that's the dynamic in the area. Yeah. you know. And I So
1: had... not only was there an opportunity for them to see whatever would be at the Women in Industry Conference, but also to just have a general look at the world that maybe they'd never even seen before. Absolutely. And that
0: ultimately became, I didn't just get girls to a conference. I got them an overall experience and getting them out and seeing just a different part of Texas. It's not New York City, but you know, we want them to want more out of life. We want them to say, hey, I want to be able to come back here one day with my family and in Galveston. What kind of job can I get that will afford those opportunities? So that's the goal.
1: Well, that's amazing. Really incredible result. It hasn't been that long since March, but has there been any sort of track back to see has anyone from the conference actually gone and done something now? Or And, you know,
0: that's the question that I get a lot because there's no metric to track that, right? Because we think once they graduate high school that that's it. You know, we get them into college and they're off on their own or they, we get them into a training program and they're off. But I've had conversations with community colleges, junior colleges and universities and both ask the same question. How do we tell our students what jobs to apply for with these certificates or degrees that they get? That's another disconnect. We need to stay engaged with Mm -hmm. the students. Is that part of your plan? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. How can we stay engaged with them and guide them throughout their college career or once they get in through their craft training? A part of my website features those jobs because they don't know where to look. One of the things that I like to help is on just job descriptions in general because there was a position listed once for Steel Dynamics and it said scale operator. And one probably wouldn't click on that, you know? Right. But it was like an administrative job. You know, you're weighing trucks, you know, marking down you know, weights and different things like that. Entry level jobs that we can get girls into. So we need to do a better job of telling them what jobs are available, showing them what they need to get those jobs.
1: And what about, I mean, that's interesting because the job description itself wasn't particularly helpful or encouraging for the right people to apply. So is there a tie back also to the company to help them write a better job description?
0: Absolutely. It wasn't necessarily the job description, it was the title. The ah. title. But also I've met with principals at certain schools and they said, can you provide us with an org chart that lists just different jobs and what it requires to get those jobs? And I'm like, that's a fair question. Mm. You know, that is a fair question. We need to be more open. So I work for Camores now. And one of the things that we did with the girls that we sponsored, we invited them back to the site and we had a full day of just, you know, plant tours, lab tours. They got to tour our facility, hear from our plant manager, what we make, what we do. And I think that just really rounded out the entire experience for the sure. girls and opening the door to the students is just going to be very helpful for them to say, okay, you know, I want to go work for this company. This is what I can do there. And this is the education that I need to get there. Yeah,
1: well, it's obvious that you've got an incredible passion for what you're doing here with this one's for the gals. We've got my 13 year old daughter, London, sitting here with us as a guest podcaster And I think she had a question she wanted to ask you about that.
3: What did you do before you started
0: this? Well, I still do it. I do this in my spare time. So I'm a project engineer for the Camores Company, and they're just a great advocate of diversity and inclusion. You know, that's my full-time job and in my spare time. I have a lot of support, honestly, with this nonprofit. I'm telling you, we've got different partners. My family, obviously, my daughter and my husband are here with me today, and there's so much support behind it. It's almost taking care of itself, to be honest.
3: What gives you the passion for this?
0: Well, I'm that girl. I am (laughs) that girl that was coming out of high school, had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. I was from a small town right down the road from here, Van Vilek, Texas, really small town. My parents encouraged me, you know, go to college, do this, do that. But I felt like I knew everything and I was just ready to go to work. It's not the best idea at all. You know, I spun my wheels for a very long time trying to figure out what I was going to do. Ended up married young, kids young and divorced young and a single mom. Uh, young. I had two little boys, twin boys, and I was like, what am I going to do to support these guys? What am I going to do? You know, I didn't have post-secondary education, not a lot of training, very feeble resume. A friend of mine suggested I take a AutoCAD training class for drafting and design. This was 2007 when, you know, oil and gas was booming and all the companies were having job fairs every other weekend. And I did. You know, I went to Horn Drafting and CAD Center over in Houston. I got a certificate. Enjoyed it. Actually, it's really cool, you know, drafting and design. And I walked into a job fair at Bechtel in Houston. Almost didn't. Uh, My friend called me that morning. He's like, hey, are you going to get up and go to this job fair? And I was like, "Ah, I've never even been to the Galleria area. I wouldn't (laughs) even know where to go. And he's like, Stephanie, you've got to go. They're hiring like crazy. Just tell them you want an entry level job. I was like, all right. So I got up, went down there parked in the wrong parking garage, security guard comes out and yells at me like, you can't park here for the oh job. You got to go. P-. And I'm literally almost turned around and went home. Yeah. I was like, what am I even doing here? I don't even know where to park. But went and found the right parking spot, walked inside and tons of people, suits, briefcases, super intimidating. I'm like, what is a girl from Amalek, Texas with a six week autocad certificate doing here? But you know, I walked in there with my head held high and I said, hey, I'm looking for an entry level job. Is there anything y'all have? And so they let me go through the motions, go upstairs and talk, sit down in some interviews. And they offered me an entry level job. And that changed my life. Bechtel changed my life. It changed everything that I thought it would have meant to be an adult, to have a career. I did end up going back to college at the age of 38, got my bachelor's degree wow, in industrial you. engineering technology. Wow. But I think what did that cost me all those years? Having a family, working full time, going to college, it was hard. I missed yeah. a lot of baseball games and a lot of birthday parties. And I would have had a little bit better direction at the beginning. Yeah. I feel that things would have been a little bit different. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. I just want to give girls a little bit better direction direction so they can kind of get on that path a little make
1: that path a little straighter yes yes. a little easier to navigate well that's an incredible story that's a really heartwarming story it's inspirational too, stephanie and what you're doing right now to pay it forward i mean that's awesome we're so happy to be able to sponsor you you. co-sponsor you or partly sponsor you and help you make the impact that you're having for women and for all people as you said to find the right path i've always believed that if we could just get a connection between industry and education that was consistent and drew a a line between like the job openings and the skills and then the training that's being given to the people to get them ready. And then just give them a little bit of a push and encouragement to go apply and get into the program that we would solve a lot of these problems around retraining and reskilling and, oh, our manufacturing jobs have flown and outsourcing and this and that. But if we get people the right skills, there's jobs, aren't there?
0: Absolutely. And that's part of it is just connecting industry and the schools and having them work together. And like I said, you know, The more that we, industry, open our doors, invite them in, share what we have, it's going to be better for all. That's our future workforce. That's our future workforce. And we need to let them know, hey, we have jobs for you here, and this is how to get them, right? We can talk about it all day. We have all these jobs, but this is, okay, give them the steps and the guidance to get into these jobs. Sure.
1: Well, as I mentioned in the beginning, the podcast that we're doing here about the energy workforce of tomorrow, you're a part of helping create that, Stephanie, and that's wonderful. How could our listeners and our clients, you know, I work for IBM and we do IBM consulting and we talk to big companies like Exxon all the time but all kinds of other companies. Well, how could they reach you if they wanted to understand how better to reach into this part of the workforce that maybe is invisible to them today? How could they reach you?
0: Absolutely. So well, we have a website, This one's thisonesforthegals.com. I kind of came up with that name because I have twin boys and they just graduated last year. I know boys need the same encouragement. Believe me, I know. But this one's for the gals. That's kind of how I came up with that. Okay. So yeah, so we have a website. You can reach me by email, stephanie at thisonesforthegals.com. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're out there. There. So just please feel free to reach out.
1: Okay. Well, we'll definitely put all that in our show notes for today. And I just wanna give you a big thanks. I want to give you a big hug too, because you're so passionate and it's contagious, honestly. Like I'm inspired. And I hope London, my thirteen year old, is sitting here, is also inspired to make sure that she finds the path that she wants to and is passionate about going forward as well. I'm sure that everybody here is going to be inspired by you and what you're doing and really can't say enough. Thanks so much. And have a great day. And this is an awesome contest. So
0: Yes, this is a great event. And I think it's only going to grow. And one last thing I wanted to mention is that as I was going along and getting more schools involved, I knew how great this need was. And I got a little overwhelmed because I couldn't take everybody. I knew if I got one school, there was another one five minutes down the road. And a mentor of mine said, Stephanie, just start where you're at and it's going to grow. And that's the best advice I could have gotten because the goal isn't for Stephanie, how many women can you reach? How many girls can you reach? The goal is for other people to see what we're doing and come and say how can i do that for the girls in my community sure and that is happening i've already talked to people from florida from minnesota from other side of texas and they want to know how can we do that here and that's the
1: goal so i guess maybe last question because we said we'd sign off i need to let you go but are you trying to expand this one's for the gals and have affiliates doing the same thing or are you just trying to encourage others to do the same thing in whatever way they want to either or either or either or okay so somebody wants to do this for themselves in their community or work with you they can reach out to you absolutely okay and you'll you'll And And I will guide them and
0: I'll give them all the tips and tricks that help me get, you know, so successful so quickly. And there's a lot of support for it. Industry wants to do this. They want to help the communities, obviously. They just need to know how.
1: Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I think the advice about start where you're at, that's really good advice. That goes back to agility and not being perfect, not letting perfect be the enemy of good, all those sayings that are so true. So that's really sage advice. So thanks so much, Stephanie. Have a really wonderful day and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Okay, so I'm here now back at the interview table with two more Stephanies. Apparently, there's actually four here that we could talk to. We're going to get three of four, 75% on the Stephanie quotient here. But these two Stephanies, we've got Alvarado and Garcia, are with NAWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction. And we're going to talk to them about NAWIC and about what NAWIC does and about how they got involved. So maybe we could start with Stephanie Alvarado. Stephanie, can you introduce yourself?
4: Sure. I'm Stephanie Alvarado. I'm the Division Diversity Coordinator at Spa Glass. So I handle supplier diversity and community outreach for both the commercial and civil divisions.
1: Okay. And how did you get involved with NAWIC? You're involved with NAWIC, right?
4: Yes. I'm an actual member. And actually, as of October 1st, I'm the new San Antonio Chapter 11 D E N I Committee Chair and wow. also Membership Committee Chair.
1: Wow. Well, congrats on that. Thank you. That's momentous. Awesome. And Stephanie Garcia, please introduce yourself.
5: Hello, my name is Stephanie Garcia. I am a quality manager with Rogers O'Brien Construction. I have been working in the mission critical division, which is a data center project.
1: Okay, and how did you get involved with NAWIC?
5: I got involved with NAWIC in 2018. Rogers O'Brien is a full supporter of women in construction, so they pay my membership. I'm the incoming vice president for next year, 20, what is it, 2022, 2023.
1: For all of NAWIC? No, or? just for the
5: San Antonio chapter. For the
1: San Antonio chapter. Okay. Oh, well, congrats on that. Can one of you tell us a little bit about NAWIC itself? What is NAWIC? How did it get started? What's the role it plays for women in industry? I think you said it was started something like in the 1950s or something?
5: So, NAWIC was started in 1953 by a group of 16 women. Whether you were a tradeswoman, an architect, or a project manager, NAWIC was created as a community for working construction women.
1: Okay. All right. So a ways back. And apparently now Naywick is in every state probably here in the U.S. and it's international too. Is that right? We
4: have affiliate partners, yes, and in the other countries.
1: Affiliate partners. If you had to summarize Stephanie Alvarado in just a few sentences, what is the purpose of NAWIC?
4: It is to empower, highlight, and support women in construction.
1: Okay. Well, that's very concise and very direct. That's a great explanation. And why is that important?
4: Women in construction are actually like 11% in construction industry as a whole. And we also have a lot of shortages, you know, for manpower in particular. And guess who would be great? Women. I mean, even in the trades, like here at this competition, you know, we have a lot of women welders, which is exciting. I love to see the younger generation find something they're passionate about, they're great at, and they will have a very great successful career on top of that.
1: Well, definitely. And if it's true that 11% of the heavy industry or construction workforce is women, there's a huge gap between, or disparity, I should say, between the percentage of men versus women. So how is Newick trying to, address that gap? That's
4: a great question. We actually have a scholarship foundation, and it's called NEF, and NEF provides scholarships whether males or females are interested in trade school or a university that is construction related certificate or degree, and we will help pay for that.
1: So I think one of the challenges that Liz, who was a welder here in the contest, was telling us about was there's a lot of sexism in the construction industry. And maybe some women out there would think about trades if there weren't a lot of barriers to entry. So you're trying to remove one of those by giving scholarships. How do you reach into high schools and educational institutions to encourage women to say, hey, this could be a path for you and we'll even help you pay for it if you can get a scholarship with us? How do you guys do that?
5: So, part of Nawick, we also have something called Block Kids, where we actually go to elementary schools. Recently, there's been studies that show that a third graders is where you, we try to reach more to that third age graders. group Start because early. that's when yes, when that's when they get. You know, the idea of what they want to do or where they want to go with their career.
1: Okay. So how would you encourage, what would some encouragement that you might give a third grader be?
5: So with NAWIC, like I said, we have this thing called Block Kids where we go to the class, they pick the class, and then we do a, like a Lego competition. So a okay. student builds a Lego project and some of our Naywick members go and they judge it. And then we pick a winner. And then from each of the chapters, it goes to like the regional level. And then from the regional level, it goes to the national. It's a little competition for the kids.
1: Okay. And that sort of gets kids women or girls and boys enrolled in this whole idea of working with their hands and being more in a trade than, say, necessarily having to go to college. But scholarships obviously imply some level of education that's paid for. So can you tell us, like, what would a typical scholarship that NAWIC gives pay for? Would it be more trade school or would it also fund college degrees? Or
5: We used to do like a college degree right now, but like Stephanie had mentioned earlier, now we're going over to the NET. So basically, you apply to that program within NAWIC, and then depending on the criteria that our chapter set, that's how we pick participants.
1: Okay, and what compelled both of you to get involved with NAWIC? I mean, it's outside of your day job. I'm sure you both have day jobs. Like you told us about those earlier, but what in particular got you both motivated to join this organization? We'll start with you, Alvarado, and then we'll go to you, Garcia. Well,
4: for me, I mean, my job is to work with different minority organizations or different causes because Spotglass is a community contractor for most of anything. And I went last year and I met the ladies and it was just one of those I wanted to make sure they knew, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm new in this role, supplier diversity professional, and what can Spotglass do to help? And it turned out Man, friendship just came out of nowhere, you know, and okay. so I started hanging out with them and a lot of what they believe in in their mission is what I believe in and also what my company Small Glass believes in. And so that's how I got started. And then from there, right away, I was passionate about DE&I. Uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. And there's a lot of things that we focus on in our new initiatives and stuff like that, you know, coming up. But yes, I'm also passionate about community outreach. That's why we drove in all the way from San Antonio to be here.
1: Yeah, that's quite an investment of time. That's admirable. And how about you, Stephanie Garcia? How'd you get involved?
5: So I got involved in AWIC because one of my friends introduced me to it and then after that I just stayed. I love the network that you get, the mentorship that you get and one of my biggest things too is like I feel that there is not enough women in the construction industry and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to get more ladies knowledge about these other pathways out there and also even if you are a woman in the construction industry, I still feel that the pay is not the same.
1: The pay is not the same.
5: I I still feel that men get paid a lot more than a woman does Mm. and I I know that women can do a lot of stuff yeah. that we can handle a lot more Yeah, of well, the you workload, would think that, multitasking, things like that. I'm sure. I'm
1: sure there's things that women do better. But you would think that, and Liz was telling us, if you're trying to be an effective welder or in a trade, that you, in order to combat maybe some of the stereotypes of the sexism, you have to sort of let your work speak for itself. So if your work can speak for itself, then you would think that there'd be some criteria that could allow for objective judging of your productivity, which then could tie into, like, Equitable pay. So are there any particular programs or approaches that Nawick or, or yourselves would take to kind of drive that equity into pay?
4: Well, that's a great question because D and I does that. And in particular, mm-hmm. one of our initiatives is Brave Talk and we incorporate that. So when you say it? I'm sorry Brave, Brave Talk.
1: Brave Talk.
4: Brave Talk is one of the Naywick D and I initiatives is a safe space to discuss those issues. Mm. Because Women may not have that safe space at their company or right. wherever. Yeah.
1: How do they bring it up?
4: Yes. And hey, have you encountered this? Hey, what is a good way to talk about this with my boss or coworker? Blah, so blah,
1: blah. coaching for having a discussion at your company about that.
4: That is brave talk. And so we would mention it at our friendship or, you know, slash D&I dinner, or there's a space that it's only women only, and it's a safe space where you can put in your thoughts with no judgment. So that's where we come in as that resource.
1: That's really interesting. I bet you that... Maybe on this podcast, but maybe there are other podcasts in the Oil and Gas Global Network that would be interested in talking to you about Brave Talk in particular. Maybe we could even do a Brave Talk session as a podcast. How does that sound? That
4: sounds great, Stephanie. I Actually, we also handle South Central, D and I she's chair and I'm co-chair. So all the southern states around us, we do that too. So we branch more outside San Antonio. We do things also on a national level for
1: DNI. Well, let's talk about brave talk for just a second. So let's role play a little bit. Let's say that Stephanie Garcia, you're struggling, you feel like you're not being paid fairly, or maybe there's some other issue that you might typically encounter in one of these brave talk sessions that you're facing and you'll be the coach, Stephanie Alvarado. So Stephanie, could you sort of role play with us a little bit like what would somebody struggle with and what would be a sort of a common challenge can you voice that for us. And then could you provide some coaching on maybe how someone like Stephanie Garcia struggling with a workplace issue could deal with that?
5: Yeah. So there's been some instances where some of our subcontractors do not feel that they like to work with a woman or if I'm emailing them. They feel like they still need approval of a superintendent or someone else that's a male figure. But I've come across that.
1: So you, as a female worker, would send a request or an email or you would ask something or you would say, hey, I'm going to do X, Y, Z or make a recommendation. And the male superintendent or other would feel like they still need to go get that approved or they need to talk to a man to get it approved or something.
5: More of a the subcontractor asks a question which I responded to and I provided all the information Uh, that my super would have already asked for me anyways to provide to them. Ah,
1: okay. So they're coming to you as a resource, you give the answer, but they're like, oh, I better check with someone who knows what we are talking about. Yeah,
5: I was asked multiple times if there was a super on my project that they could speak with versus Uh, wanting to
1: deal with me. Okay, okay. So knowing that then, Stephanie Alvarado, what would Brave Talk give to Stephanie here to sort of surface that and deal with that? that challenge.
5: Yeah, so if
4: Stephanie told me that situation and said, hey, Stephanie Alvarado, what's the best response? How should I react? How should I handle this at work? My response would be, you know what, talk to your supervisor or talk to that boss's boss. And I know at Rogers O'Brien, you have an ally. And allies are very important to have, especially being a woman in the industry. And they understand and make sure that there is equality overall on our job sites, in an office or wherever. So I would say pull in an ally and make sure that from that person, that head figure with the power and authority that they know, hey, I trust Stephanie Garcia. She did exactly what she said. And that's the same response going forward. Please continue going directly through her.
1: So leverage an ally in a case like that to get the support you need and the empowerment so that nobody needs to go around you for the answer they were going to get anyway. Okay, well, that's excellent. And Brave Talk would then cover those kinds of issues, also maybe issues of unequal pay. If you're being, have you ever encountered anyone, anything like that in your Brave Talk?
4: Well, knowing your worth and don't be afraid to negotiate your salary or your pay. Talk about all the awesome things you've done. Also, with NAWIC, it gains that company so much more exposure. And that is something I bet they would love. And just talk about overall this you're doing an awesome job. Know your worth,
1: and interesting. That's the so, empowerment. I really want to talk about that for a second. So, you, you say know your worth. So, does Naywig do things like, hey, if you're doing job X for company Y, and you've got seniority Z? your pay range should be X to Y to be equitable. Do you give that sort of insight to your members so that they know what they can go after and what they should be getting paid?
4: Yes, we actually have webinars. We have different conferences, like I said, regionally, nationally. So there's speakers of live tapings, articles with statistics and stuff like that, talking about different roles, whether in the field Mm -hmm. or higher up in management. So yes, there is a lot of resources. And myself personally, I've learned a lot of job skill sets that may not be from what I do at Spa Glass, but it has made me better in my role because I know all these other things. And that's mm. Naywick taught me.
1: Yeah. And would you say that having data to back up claims or your ask for, say, equitable pay is an important part of the discussion?
4: Oh, yes. And a lot of us will even talk to new potential members, especially, and just say, this is what Naywick did for me. And we have mm. examples and yeah. how it's been a great resource or networking. So, you know, one of the uh, ladies in our chapter got a job because the employer looked her up beforehand and said, you did a lot for NAWIG. I love that community stuff. I've seen what you're doing. That's exactly what I want.
1: Interesting. Okay, so maybe getting into why Naewig is here and why you're here representing NAWIG. Is it to educate people who are here? Is it to recruit new members? What's the reason that you're all here today?
4: Well, I'm here because, yes, I'm incoming de Chair, and I want mm-hmm. to make sure that with Brave Talk or other in- of our initiatives, that would help them. There's PD and E, Professional Development Education. We also have that as a committee. Hey, there's a lot of resources for you that comes automatically with mm-hmm. your membership, all the benefits the company would receive. I mean, it just goes on and on. There's marketing. I can learn more about marketing if I want and join the committee. There's so many things that we do, and this is all chapters, not just San Antonio. So that's where I
5: come from, Stephanie Garcia. I think I want everyone to know about NAWIC. Mm -hmm. I want everybody to know that there is a community out there of women to help you and support you. And you're not alone. There is someone out here. If I don't know the answer, Mm -hmm. I can reach out to anybody of our members and any of the ladies in our industry and we can get you an answer.
1: So this podcast is about the energy workforce of tomorrow. And we certainly hope that it includes lots of women. Lots of folks from the D E and I community. Is it only folks in trade that are part of NAWIC, or can professionals also be a part of NAWIC? Like a lot of our listeners are from bigger oil and gas companies that maybe have their own D E and I departments and things, but why should someone like that join? Or should someone like that join?
5: I think as long as you're have anything to do with the construction industry, eventually we're gonna build you a plant or anything like Mm -hmm. that, I think it's important to still be a part of it. Like you will get new networks, meet new people, and sometimes it's who you know that they know that will give. You more context so there's and more networking resources. benefits
1: and then is there like an altruistic bent as well? Like, are we doing good for the community and for women in general, just with the organization?
4: Oh, yes, that is a big part of NAWIC is that we do so much community work. And in San Antonio, like, we've been
5: recognized in the past. We do Habitat for Humanity. We do food banks. We do blood drives. We try to get out there and show support and say, hey, we're here. Come to these events. Give us your blood. You know, go out there and work with us. We just did a community farm at one of our missions, and we thought we were just going to be picking fruit and putting it in baskets and bins. Yeah. Well, it turns out we were mulching a road for the peach orchard, wow, like with okay. a hoe and a pick out there. Oh my like, goodness. you goodness. Know, trying to mulch a road. Well, I hope it
1: wasn't 110 degrees with 90% humidity. Well, actually it
5: was. It was.
4: Oh, but
1: no. <laughs> it, was.
5: <laughs> it was. only for two hours.
1: Okay. <laughs> all right. We
4: yelled NAWIC and women in construction while we worked hard. Oh wow. Two hours for sure.
1: Well, wow. That's good. Hey, well, thanks for that. So did you meet Stephanie Hadichek, by the way? Yeah.
4: Yes, yes. I've been corresponding with her for the past couple of months.
1: Oh, you have? Okay.
4: Yes, yes. She is known in the welding world. And because of NAWIC, that's how I was introduced. We started chatting a couple of months ago. I did a speaking presentation for Texas State University. We got a $100,000 grant for getting all the young women. They chose about 25 all throughout the United States. Food, hotel, they wanted people that, hey, what companies or organizations out there that will help them?
1: Well, sounds like an amazing mission. Great group. Really glad to see the passion both of you have for it. Thanks for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Nice to meet both of you. And I think we'll provide all the information about NAWIC on our show notes. But could you let people know how to reach NAWIC or yourselves for our listeners?
5: Yeah, we do have a Facebook page, a LinkedIn page, Instagram. So um, it is uh, NAWIC, SATX.
1: Naywick SATX. Like Sam, Apple, Tom, X-ray.: Exactly. All right, and Naywick is N as in Nancy, A as an Apple W as in women. I as an in industry, C is in construction. So Naywick, SATX. Okay. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely, and that's San Antonio, Texas. That's why I just put that together. That's why they pay me the big bucks. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, we'll get all this data up on the site and the show notes. And thank you both so much for your passion, your dedication, and I look forward to talking with you both again. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: Join us again next week on the Energy Workforce of Tomorrow podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com.